If you have your Bibles, open to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 4. I'm reminded as I was in a grocery store a couple of years ago, and I saw a young man that graduated high school with my daughter, and he had gone into the Marines. He had been out of the Marines now a year or so. He had a simple T-shirt on, and it had an American flag, and it said, Stand for Something. And guys, that's where we live. And you need to understand it is a privilege to live in the United States of America. And all you have to do is travel elsewhere and you'll realize what we have here. And it was a cost. And you need to stand for this country and for our flag. And all those who won't stand, I have a difficulty with. And it does not matter what, how good they can play a ball game. But there's an issue here. Stand for something. And you need to have to learn to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's easy to stand with a group of people. But when it comes down to standing by yourself, it gets a little bit more challenging. But what happens when you become men and women of faith, men and women who know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been enabled by God himself to stand. And you stand for Christ. And that goes against the grain. Because even though we live in the greatest land in the world, the land we live in has made some issues and made some laws that contradict what the Word of God says. And you have to stand for the Word of God. Because we're not guaranteed this right to the next generation if we don't. Now open your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 4. As I was trying to prepare a message for this week, I was going in a different direction and all of a sudden I knew I was in the wrong direction. And unless you're a preacher, you don't understand that, but you realize you've got to stop. And God gave me one word. And I thought, okay, I understand the word, but I didn't really understand what he was saying. And you want the word he gave me? Gilgal. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hmm. But Gilgal got in my brain. And I knew where Gilgal was in the Bible. And so I started looking at Gilgal. Because you see, Gilgal is an important word for us to understand. Because we all need a Gilgal. And we do have a Gilgal still today. But you've got to have sense enough to stop at Gilgal. Because it's only when you stop at Gilgal, you stop that God can work in your heart, in my heart, to equip us, to prepare us for what is ahead of us. Now, what's ahead of us? The future. What's ahead of us? Uncertainty. What's ahead of us? Battles. What's ahead of us? Difficulties. And I dare say that some of you all, you've come here today and you've had a challenge this week, right? Some of you have gone to the doctor and you've got diagnoses that have been challenging already this week. Some of you all face issues with your children, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your job, but you face challenges already this week. And have you realized yet in life that it seems like we move from one situation to another situation, one stressor to another stressor? Do you realize we live in a word called transition? Do you know what transition is? It's scary, right? Why? 
Because transition means it's unfamiliar territory. Transition means there's change that's going to take place. Transition means I don't know what's out there, but I'm still pressing forward. And this is what's going on here with the children of Israel. They have come to the edge of the promised land. Moses, their leader, their God-ordained man who led them all this way, he has died. And there's a vacuum in leadership. And God raises up this man named Joshua to fill the void of that leadership. And now they're at the promised land. They're getting ready to go in. They're getting ready to transition from one phase, from one stage to another. They're going into the promised land. They're going into the land filled with milk and honey. They're going into a land where God has said, I'm going to give you houses that you did not build. I'm going to give you vineyards that you did not plant. I'm going to give you the greatest potential, a land that flows with milk and honey. But this is a land that's occupied by the enemy. Now look what it says in chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come out out of the midst of the Jordan, and that the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all their banks as they did before. Do you know what just happened? They're getting ready to go into the promised land. They're getting to go to the place where God has told them to go. They're getting to go and walk in obedience to God. And they come to a barrier. They come to an obstacle. They come to an issue in life. It's called the Jordan River. It's at flood stage. The water is so high they cannot cross it. It was very similar to to the Red Sea when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And when they got to the Jordan River, it says earlier in the text, when the priests put the soles of their feet, when it hit the water, that the water stood up. And God was saying, you follow this man, right? Because the same miracle he performed under Moses, he performed a similar miracle under Joshua. And he said, you follow this leader. And so when the priests they put their feet there and it hit the water, the water stood up and they crossed on dry land. And then when the priests came out of the Jordan River that was dry there, it says when their soles of their feet came out of the river bad, the water came back down and they were on the other side of Jordan. They had entered into the promised land that God had told them they would be. And then it says, and the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped in Gilgal, in east of the Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took up out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. Heavenly Father, I pray you speak to our hearts and you give us understanding of what we need this day, that we would understand your word, how it applies to our life, so that we might go forward, Father, in faith, living yielded unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know what happens after Gilgal? Do you know what comes up next? They face a walled city named Jericho. How is it when you're following God's will, you face obstacles? How is it when you're doing what God has called you to do, you're where God wants you to be, you face challenges in life? Is that not where you live? Is that not where I live? It seems one after another. They faced the Jordan River. They went forward in faith and God proved them. And then they're going to all of a sudden face a wall city that's filled with an enemy. It's called Jericho. And we like the story of Jericho, don't we? We, we? we say it don't make any sense, but we like it. Here it is. The army goes forward. They march around the walls for seven days. And on the seventh day, they march seven times. And the walls come tumbling down. And we're saying, yeah, I like that. 
because that's what we want, isn't it? But before you get to Jericho, you've got to get to Gilgal, and you've got to stop by Gilgal because Gilgal is important to the people of God. And the temptation is we want to rush over these verses in this chapter here in chapter 4 and the next chapter 5, and we want to get to Jericho. But God says you've got to encamp. You've got to stop. You've got to pause long enough at Gilgal that I can minister in your life what you need to face the challenges that are ahead because if you miss Gilgal, you're going to miss it. You see, Gilgal became a base of operation for the children of Israel. And you'll find them that they would go forward, they would go into battle, they would do certain feats, and they would fall back to Gilgal. They would go back to base camp, and they would regroup, and they would prepare, and they would rest, and they would get further instructions from God. And they never went back beyond the Jordan River again. They would go back to Gilgal, and they would get the refreshment. Do you understand that Gilgal is basically what the church is today? And you've got to understand, coming to church is not something that you do for an hour on Sunday morning, that you just beat in your time and say, I'm religious, and I have a denominational preference and I'm a Baptist and I hope that does me enough when I get to heaven. No! What it means is you come to the body of Christ. You come here to the people of God and you come here to worship your Savior. But you come here because God says, I need you to rest in me and I need, you need to understand what it means to abide and to stay put and to hear my word for your life. You see, you need this. Now, you may not think you need this. And if you don't think you need this, you probably need Jesus first. <laughs> Because, you see, until you know Jesus, the church makes no sense. And do you understand that salvation makes no sense to anybody except they've been convicted by God Almighty of their sin and they understand they're a sinner and they understand they're lost? It, it makes no sense why somebody would come and give of their life and give of their time and give of their resources and sit here and listen to some man get up here and speak and scream and yell at me and spit at me, Right? Except you know Jesus and you understand there's something taking place here. And deep down inside your soul, he starts to stir inside you. And he starts to feed you. And he starts to nourish you. And he starts to direct you. Because it doesn't make sense how that happens. But it happens. Why? Because God says you need the body of Christ. You need the church. And you have to realize there's where you gain your strength, your guidance, your direction. You need Gilgal in your life. But you've got to have sense enough to pause at Gilgal. You see, they came to Gilgal. And when they came to Gilgal, God says there's at least three or four things you have to understand that takes place at Gilgal. The first thing is this. It's at Gilgal that you enter into rest. You enter into rest. It says, and they encamped. Where was that verse? Uh, up in verse, uh, verse 19. They encamped at Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. You see, see, Gilgal is a place of rest. Gilgal is a place, the church is a place where you're to come and you're to let your defenses down. Hmm. I don't know about that, preacher. I've got to keep up my image, right? But you come to this place and you learn to rest in Christ. You understand, we have this idea that we rest on vacation. How many of y'all figured out that that don't happen? You come back from vacation and you realize, I need a break. Because what are we doing on vacation? We ran ourselves ragged. Yes, we were distracted by other things that are not normally distracted, but we have so physically run ourselves ragged. We need a rest. But you don't get rest on vacation. You don't find rest in an easy chair. 
Because you, as a child of God, you are a spiritual being. The Spirit of God indwells your life. He has taken up residence inside your life. And therefore, the only way you can enter into His rest is to enter into His labor, is to enter into His service. And His service has to do with the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you come here at this place and you say, God, I need your rest. I need your nourishment. I need your strength. And you encamp her. You pause her. You linger here long enough for God to rest you, for God to sustain you. Why were they weary? For 40 years they've been wandering in the wilderness. For 40 years they've been walking around in circles. For 40 years they faced obstacles and difficulties. Just like we are. We get physically tired. We get emotionally tired. And we get spiritually weary in life. Is that what's happened to you this week? Any stressors in your life this week? Any issues in your life this week that's caused you to be tense and anxious? If you don't have any, I'll give you some of mine. I mean, that's life. And so God says, you've got to learn to get to Gilgal. You've got to learn to come and set yourself apart to the people of God, to the purpose of Christ. And there God says, I'm going to give you rest. I'll rest your soul. I'll rest you physically. I'll rest you emotionally. I'll rest you spiritually. Because we can only find that type of rest and that type of refreshment in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You must stop at Gilgal. You cannot say, well, today I really think I'm going to skip church. Can you afford that? You think you can, don't you? Because, you know, it's just, it's just church. You know why we have church in America? Because of the men who have laid down their lives. That we're not meeting in secret. That we're not hiding under some tree out here. That we're not fearful See, we can come together and we can crank the muses up, up louder than many of you like, right? All you in the alcove back there, that's your reason. I understand. See, see, and we can come here and we can be loud and we can shout and we can get excited. But when you get in some places, my friends, you can't be loud because you'll be arrested. You can't be loud because you're going to be persecuted. And so you meet in silence. And when you come together to meet, you don't sing out loud. You will... Because you have to sing to yourself and you can voice the words to yourself and you will sit together in a circle and you can sing. Saved a wretch like me, I once was. Because we sing that in our spirit, we sing that in our soul as we're united with the people of God. Because we cannot be loud lest we be discovered. And when we get discovered, it could be death. But uh, you know. We're so accustomed to the church that we take advantage of it, do we not? We think we don't need it. And we're only one generation from losing it. Hear me? And God says, I will give you rest. And I give you rest at my church, at the body of Christ where you come together.
And when you come together at Gilgal, he says, you not only have rest, he says, but it's for remembrance also. Remember when they crossed that Jordan River, they took 12 stones and they set the stones up in the Jordan. The way I read it, it looks like they set 12 stones up in the Jordan River as a reminder of what God had done for them in the past. And they took 12 stones out of the Jordan River and they set them up on the other side as another reminder of what God had done for them in the past. And guys, that's what you need to understand. You need to have spiritual markers set up in your life where you can look back and you can say, here's what God did in my life. Here's how God saved my soul. Here's how God brought conviction of sin into my life. And I realized I was lost. I realized I was undone. I realized I was hellbound. And I realized my only answer was Jesus Christ. I know that. I know when he saved me. I know when he touched me. I know when God called me. I know when God worked and provided for me. I know when God delivered me. I know when God healed me. I know when God touched me. I know when God moved in my life. You've got to have these markers in your life because if you don't have them in your life, you forget. You forget. If you come into our house, Charles finally allowed me to put out my, what's that big skin, blue wildebeest? I've got a blue wildebeest hide under the dining room table. Now, why would anybody in their right mind, why would you put antlers on your wall? Huh? Why? Why do you put pretty little wreaths with flowers and birds can build in the nest? In the... These are reminders. See, I look at that blue wildebeest that remembers the, the, the one of the five or six times I've been in South Africa preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the South African native people, to the Zulus and to others. I, you look at that, that, that rack on the wall and you remember what happened when you went out and you were given that opportunity to shoot that, that, that animal and use the meat and take the horns. You, you rem, those are reminders. And hear me, if we have physical reminders for stuff like that, you need to have spiritual reminders in your life of when God moved in you and God stirred it. See, you will find the blue wildebeest hide in my house. You will find impala hides in my house. You will find a reindeer hide in my house. But let me tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find pictures of Appalachian where people are being baptized, where they've come to faith in Jesus Christ and they've been taken down into the watery grave. You're going to find words of Scripture on the wall. Why? Because these are reminders of what God has done and how God has moved in my life. You need those in your life. You need reminders. And God said, you set up 12 stones lest you forget. Oh, I'll never forget that. Well, you get a little time and a little age and a little mental stuff going on. We forget a lot of stuff, don't we? And so God says, you need to come to Gilgal to be reminded about the cross. You need to come to Gilgal and be reminded about what Jesus did for you. You need to come to the body of Christ and be reminded when God met you in that way and he brought you to the altar and brokenness, you poured your life out to him asking his forgiveness, his restoration. You need to be reminded. And that's what you do at Gilgal. You get reminded of the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God. You get reminded of how God made provision, how God sustained you, how God saved you when you fell out of the boat, right? And guys, we all fall out of the boat. Maybe not like Eric, but we all fall out of the boat. We need reminders in our life. That's why you come to Gilgal. That's why you come to church. 
So you look at Gilgal, you see it was a place of remembrance. You say it was a place of reminder. But you also find that Gilgal, it was a place of renewal. Now go to chapter 5 and verse 9. You see, for 40 years, God's people have been in Egyptian. They've left Egypt and they're in, in the wilderness after they left Egypt. For 40 years, the children of Israel did not practice circumcision. And circumcision was the sign, the indicator that they were going to walk with God. They were going to be right with God. And so, here's what it says. Verse 9 of chapter 5. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. This day. See, see, at Gilgal there was a a renewal. How did the renewal come? The men of Israel got right with God in the area of circumcision. How did the renewal come? There was a removal in their life of that which they did not need. And if you're going to get renewed by God, there has to be a removal of stuff in your life or my life that is not essential to getting the job done. You got it? Because if you're going to get right with God, it's not enough just to show up here. There has to be a removal, an adjustment of my life to what Scripture says. If you don't make these adjustments in your life to the Word of God, then you got religion. You ain't got relationship. If you don't make adjustments in your life to the Word of God, what, what's going on in you is you have a preference to be a Baptist, you have a preference to have a denomination, but, but you're really not walking with Jesus Christ because God says you have to make adjustments. There has to be a removal. There has to be an adjusting of yourself unto me. And then he says, when you do this, look what it says. He says, I will roll away. Now you ought to get excited about that word roll away because you see, that word roll away has the concept of a wheel. And it was culturally understood in that day. And God has said, when you make adjustments of your life, of your behavior to me, he said, when you get in the wheel, when you get in the center of the wheel, you're in the center place of survival. Because you see, I will roll it away. And as long as you're in the center of the wheel, you're going to make it. And that centrifugal force and that centrifugal force that pushes you or pulls you, you're in the center of the wheel. And I do the work. It's not you. It's God. He said, I roll away the reproach. That word reproach goes back to the shame that they bore when they came out of Egypt because they were to worship God. They were to walk by faith and obedience. For 40 years, they've not practiced the rite of circumcision. For 40 years, they have been wandering aimlessly as all the people around watched them say, I thought you were God's children. I thought you were going to live for the glory of God. Why is it you've never made it where you said you were going? Why is it you've not got where God's called you to be? Why is it? And God says, I will roll away the shame, the reproach from your life. He's saying, I'm guilty. How about you? What's it mean to be guilty? I committed the act. 
I committed the crime. I committed the sin. Therefore, because I did it, I'm guilty. Does that make sense to you? And because I am guilty. Now, don't confuse shame and reproach with, with, with guilt because I'm guilty. And, and see, what happens is when I'm guilty, the enemy, the devil, does all he can do to show you what I did. And all of a sudden, you know what I did. And now I'm not only guilty, I'm embarrassed because you know what I did. But that's not what he's rolling away. He said, I'm going to roll away, not your embarrassment, not your guilt. I'm going to roll away your shame, your reproach. You see, if I was not a child of God, then what I did really wouldn't bother me. But because I'm a child of God and what I'm doing that's not in agreement with what God's Word says, it bothers me. It, see, 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 he said, you are what you are and therefore I'm going to roll away your shame because you are my child, but you're acting inconsistent with who you are. Have you got any inconsistencies in your life? You profess to be a child of God. You profess to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why is it then I speak sometimes when I ought not speak? Why is it I act in certain ways as I ought not act? Why is it I do certain things that I should not do? Why is it I get in traffic and those people in front of me can't drive the way they need to drive? And we act how we act. And it's inconsistent with who we are. Is that making sense to you? And so God says, he says, when you come to Gilgal, when you come to this place of rest, when you come to this place of remembrance, there has to be some removing of some stuff inside your life. And when you will get honest with God, with what is inconsistent in your life, with your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, when you get honest with God and you say, God, this is inconsistent with being your child, God says, now I'm going to take hold and I'm going to remove your shame. I will remove the reproach. I will set you free. And you've got to have that if you're going to go forward with Jesus. Because, you see, if you don't get that, you don't go forward. You just kind of get in a rut. And you sit there and just think, well, this is just the way it is. This is just how everybody is. No. See, see, you come to Gilgal so God can roll the reproach away. So you can get in a place where you will survive and you can thrive in your faith. And so he says, I come to Gilgal because I have to have a remembrance. I have to have a rest. And I'm going to have a renewal of my faith. And, and then he, says, he says, you come to Gilgal. Look on down there in, in chapter 5. And he says in chapter 5, he, he says, what you're going to do, he says, you're going to get redirection. And it came to pass, verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, Are thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. He said, I'm not for you. I'm not against you. I come here not to take sides. I'm here to take over. Do you see that? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. I was watching a TV documentary years ago, and there's this guy over in Israel in that area, and he has his camel, and I know we've talked about the grace of camels, but, you know, this camel that's, you know, 8, 10, 12 foot tall, and it's laden down with goods he's going to sell at the marketplace. 
And, and so, so here's this little man with this great big camel with all these wares on the back of the camel. And you think, how's he going to get the stuff? How's he going to roll the stuff off the camel? How's he going to roll the burden off the camel's back? You know what he did? He had a stick about a foot and a half long. And he got that camel to the place he wanted it to be. And God gets you to the place he wants you to be. And you know what God does? He starts tapping your knee. Because that's what this camel driver did. He took that stick a foot and a half long. And he started tapping that camel's knee. And he went over and he tapped that other knee. And all of a sudden that camel starts rocking. He starts rocking back and forth. And that man, he keeps on tapping the knee. Why? Because he's trying to get that camel to bend the knee. And what God is trying to get you to do. And he wants me to do. He wants you to understand what it means to bend our knees to the Father. He wants us to understand what it means to get on our face before Almighty God. And that camel finally, when he was rocking back and forth. And he just kept tapping on those knees. He got down on his knees and he rolled the burden off. It's only when you get on your knees unto God with sincerity, with honesty, that God says, I'll roll the burden away. I'll roll the reproach away. But you've got to get on bended knee. And what you do, he said, I will give you redirection. That's where Joshua is. Joshua, what do you think is going on in Joshua's mind? He is the brand new leader of the people of God, of the children of Israel. He's looking out and he's saying, God, there's walled cities out there. God, there's enemies out there. God, there's opponents out there. God, Jericho lies two and a half miles away. God, there's out there. What what am I going to do? And he's out there saying, oh, Lord, I've got such responsibility. You ever felt that, man, the responsibility on your shoulders to lead your family? You ever felt that, lady, the responsibility as you're raising your kids? You ever felt that weight of responsibility. He said, oh God, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, there's a confrontation. Who went with the very Lord of hosts himself? And we're saying, oh, I'm glad you're here. Now you can support me. And he said, I didn't come here to support you. I come here to get you to submit to me. So you see, we get it all backwards. We think, oh, I'm a Christian and I'm doing good and I'm trying to live for the glory of God. You're going to be on my side. God's not going to support anything you do. But you've got to submit to him. See, and we think because we profess Christ and we're trying to live good. And God's saying, no, it's about you submitting to me. First. Because it doesn't matter how good you live. What matters is, are you submitted to me? And so here it is. Joshua, he's confronted with the Lord of hosts with a sword drawn. And he says, you for us, you're against us. And he says, I'm here to take over, buddy. And what did Joshua do? Look what it says. And Joshua fell <laughs> on his face on the earth and did worship. See, that's it. See, until you get this falling on your face right, you're not going to get worship right. Now, you can get emotional. And you can get stirred emotionally. But until you understand what it means to get on my face before Almighty God in submission to Him, nothing's going to make sense. And He says, What saith the Lord unto His servant? And He spoke. See, you're not hearing God speak? Then get on your face. Get submitted to Him. Quit asking God to help you out to fix your problems. 
before you submit to his will. And when you submit to his will, listen to his word. And you know what? He's liable to tell you something that's ridiculous. What did he tell Joshua? He said, now, Joshua, you're going to have a battle, but you're not going to fight. You're going to have a battle. You're just going to march, and you're going to be quiet. You're going to have a battle, but you've got to do exactly what I say. On the seventh day, you march around that wall city seven times. Now, what would you have said? Lord, I love you, but that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We need to have the archers out there. We need to have the swordsmen out there. We need to have the spear throwers out there. And what did Joshua do? He did what God said, even though it didn't make sense. And what did God do? And the walls came tumbling down. Right? And wall cities fell before the people of God because they obeyed God's word. You need to come to Gilgal and you need to pause because you need rest. You may not realize how much you need rest, but you need rest spiritually for your life. You need to remember what God has done in your life. You need to renew your faith, renew your commitment. And that only happens not by saying, I rededicate my life, but by making adjustments, removing stuff from my life. And then you're positioned for redirection from God. And he gives you a fresh word. So are you stressed out? You weary? need rest it doesn't happen by what we think gives us rest it happens from him you think God has forgot you God is ignoring you you need to, you, you need a fresh encounter then remember have spiritual markers in, and maybe see see the first spiritual marker you should have it's mine It's when God convicted me of sin and losses and I knew I did not have a relationship with Him. And and maybe you you don't know that. Maybe you don't understand the convicting power of God. Maybe you you just assume because you signed the paper, got wet in the tub, that that you're... But guys, you've got to know the conviction of sin in your life before you can know salvation. That's a marker. Because that's God speaking to you. And you go back to these spiritual markers and you start saying, this is how God spoke to me. He brought conviction of my sin. He drew me by His Holy Spirit. And in brokenness, I responded to the Father, repenting of my sin, crying out to God to save me. And He saved me. And now God has worked in my life. He has protected me even when I did not know it. He has given provision in my life. He has touched me. He has brought healing. He has brought hope. He has brought joy. He has brought peace. Now I'm thinking God's neglecting me. You got to go back to the spiritual markers. And then you say, God, I got some stuff I need to deal with. Let me tell you a secret. We all got stuff. And if we don't deal with our stuff today, 
We're going to have more stuff tomorrow. Right? And so we say, now you've paused at Gilgal, the church, and God is speaking. Are you going to obey? See, and then the redirection comes after we remove the stuff. It was a fresh revelation because that's what it was. This is a pre-incarnate visit of the Lord Jesus Christ, a theocracy, where he came. And there was a fresh revelation. Guys, that's what I hunger for, is a fresh revelation of God in my life. I was looking up the word reproach right before church, and I'm on this Hebrew word study, and, I, and I'm looking at it, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, Malcolm comes up and says, you're just now getting your sermon ready. I said, well, yeah, but uh, you know, it, just this one word, and it, it talked about the, the center, the wheel, the rolling away, and I thought, my gracious, if you are to survive, you've got to be in the center, because you're going to have forces that pull you, you're going to have forces that push you. Your survival means you are in the center. The only way you're in the center of God's will is when you have this renewal and this removal, and then you get redirection by fresh revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you go forward, and wall cities, obstacles, enemies, you go forward in faith. Why? Because He is God. Because he's not here just to come take our side like our good old buddy. He's here to take over. And if he's not taking over your life, you're going to miss him. Father, we bow before you this morning. I pray, Father, that you move with great power now, removing blinders of the devil, God, that people can see him as if for the first time their relationship to you or their lack of it. I pray, God, you move with convicting power, God. You begin to draw people, Father, even now as they face the transition periods of life and as we continue to face these, God, I pray that you just work to be honored, to be glorified, but show us, God, how to rest right now in you. Show us, God, how to pause here, how to linger here, God, but how to respond to what your word says as we remember what you've done, as we remember what Jesus did on the cross, God. Show us even now how we are to renew our faith by removing the stuff, the junk that gets in the way that we can get redirection of our life and fresh revelation God for somebody here that's lost that don't know you as their personal savior God God move greatly upon them with conviction, draw them that they would be saved even today in Jesus name Amen, let's stand together we'll sing, the altar's open, obey God what's he saying to you today what are you saying back to him right now he's brought you here for a reason